Well, let me echo what's already been said. Welcome to Wilshire. We're glad that you're here. It's good to be together. It's good to worship. It's good to sing. It's good to take a minute to study God's Word. We've been, if you're a visitor here, we've been working our way through the Gospel of Luke, and we're getting close to the end. And we're in this part that is often called the Passion of Christ, and we're actually studying today that that moment when Jesus is put on the cross and what happens there, what he says, what others say to him, what God says about him through the sky and the earth. It's a dramatic moment. Before I get into that, this is the uh, this has been kind of a dramatic week, I guess. If you're a sports person, you've been following the Winter Olympics. I'm not a sports person, so I can't say that I have been following the Winter Olympics. But in honor of uh, the Winter Olympics, you know, wrapping up, I did learn a little Russian for you. I learned this phrase, doveria no proveria. That's actually a famous phrase. It doesn't have anything to do with the Olympics. That is a phrase that Ronald Reagan used to like to quote when he was in negotiations uh, over ending nuclear proliferation between the Soviet Union and the United States successfully. It's a Russian proverb, and you guys probably know what it is, translated, trust but verify. Trust but verify. And it kind, of, it kind of illustrates that in order to have a relationship between two people who are sort of enemies, you're gonna, somebody's going to have to take the first step of trusting. But only a little step. And every step needs to be checked out. And before you take the second step, the first step needs to be verified and 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 there needs to be a lot of back and forth before anybody takes very many steps towards the center. That's almost the only way you can negotiate that kind of a relationship. But we all know that that kind of an attitude doesn't work very well for most relationships. Most relationships aren't like that. And least of all, our relationship with God. And yet, when it comes to to our relationship with God again and again, what trips us up is doveria, no proveria. I trust you a little, God. I trust you a little. But not very far. We look at the different players in the drama that's that's here for us in Luke 23, and we see them acting as they're going to act toward Jesus. We have the soldiers who take Jesus out to the cross. They've got three criminals to get crucified. Kind of as a perk of the job, they get to take their belongings, what little is left of them. They get to take their clothes you get crucified naked because the, the Romans want everybody to see. This is how we humiliate and torture to death those that we disapprove of. 
And they make fun. Because that's just kind of part of it. I mean, this is a horrific job. These men are being tortured to death and the soldiers are just doing it. Because they've done it many, many times before. They are treating humans as less than human. And it's just a job. Now, one of these soldiers, at the end, you can kind of tell if you look down in verse 47, which I don't think is on your study sheet, but uh, in verse 47, one of the soldiers actually looks around at the earthquake. He looks around at the sky being dark. He, he looks around at all of these manifestations and he says, this man is innocent. That's the way Luke paraphrases it. What he actually said is this man is a son of God. I don't know what God he believed in. I don't know if he, and it really doesn't matter to our point of view. He just said, this something is strange is going on. The gods don't approve of what we've done. He's so used to being casually brutal that maybe up until that point, nothing dawned on him, but now he says the sky and the earth are telling me that what we've done is wrong, at least to this one, he's innocent. He is somebody special. I think people who dehumanize others just because it's a job don't start out that way. They get that way, I mean, they may know that God says human beings are made in my image. They just don't trust enough. And they say, well, it's not really up to me. It's up to those who are giving the orders. It's really interesting to see how the soldiers parallel Pilate. Pilate knows Jesus is is innocent. We saw that last week. And he ends up giving up his ability to do anything about it. He says, okay, if you insist. He gives up his willingness to act injustice. The soldiers give up theirs. And that way everybody says, it's not really my fault when people are treated like this. And the whole world spirals down one step farther. I mean, you know God kind of wants us to treat people better than this. I know that, but you know, he's not here right now. And I just don't trust him. The leaders of the Jews. Verse 35. People stood watching. The rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. Their slogan is, people with real power never let themselves be humiliated and killed. I mean, it was as obvious to them as it could be. They may have had their doubts earlier about Jesus. Maybe he really is the Messiah. He's doing these amazing things. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He, he's, he's done these miracles. He's got the crowds all worked up into a frenzy. But they, they had convinced themselves absolutely that if he's allowed himself to be hung on a tree, he's nobody. Deuteronomy says anybody who's hung on a tree is cursed by God. 
It's in the Bible, Deuteronomy 27. He's on a cross. He is nobody. Anybody with real power will use that power to protect themselves. Nobody's going to let, let this happen. And so they're sure about Jesus. Then we come to the thieves on the cross. I, I called them terrorists because really that's what they were. The, the word Mark uses for them, lestes, means people who are rebelling against Rome and killing innocents to do it. Sometimes translated robbers. Sometimes translated rebels. They're terror. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good translation from, in our vocabulary. They're terrorists. They're hiding up in the hills, swooping down when there are juicy targets to grab. They're rotten guys. And they, you know, one of them even admits, we deserve to be hung on a cross. We're getting what we deserve. They're rotten. And the other Gospels tell us both of them join in, at least at first, in mocking Jesus. And they say, if you're really the Christ, why don't you save yourself and us? Why don't you do that? Save yourself and us. Their slogan is, I hate Jesus unless he does what I want. I hate Jesus unless he does what I want. How far do I trust God? How far do I trust Christ? As far as my most recent prayer. As long as God acts for me like a wish-granting genie, then I'll say whatever words in church he wants me to say. But when he doesn't do my will, he's worthless. I'll join in the mockery. I'll join in the, the reviling. I hate him like I hate everything else. I don't trust God at all. We hear in the voice of the thieves, we hear the echo of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness who ate manna in the morning and in the afternoon said, where is God? We're out of water. Is God among us or not? One of the terrorists repents, the repenting terrorist. He says, don't you fear God? Verse 40, since we're under the same sentence, we're being punished justly and we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong when he said, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. It's a great little story. I love this one. In the middle of all this darkness and death and horror, there's a tiny little gospel moment. Do you see that? It's incredible. I love it. Luke's the only one that tells us this moment. 
Today you'll be with me in paradise. If we're going to assign a slogan to this guy, it would be this. When I look at Jesus, I can see the difference between my life and what it should have been. That's really what happens for this guy. He's not a good guy. We don't need to paint him into some kind of a moral saint. He's not. He's rotten. I mean, he may have started out his life as a rebel against Rome with some sort of noble vision. I mean, the Romans were rotten. But we know how that story goes. I start out saying, well, the Romans are so bad, it's kind of worth doing some evil to make them pay a little bit. And that just gets darker and darker and darker, and pretty soon I'm robbing anybody just to keep the revolution alive. This guy's a bad guy. Did he deserve to go to paradise? I mean, all he did is he, he had a moment of clarity in the presence of Jesus. That's all that happened. In the middle of his life being ruined, which, you know, will focus the concentration, I'll admit. In the middle of his life being destroyed, he has a moment of clarity because he sees Jesus for real. And because of that, he sees himself for real. And he has a moment of clarity and he says, this is the way things are. You and I are rotten. He's not. Jesus, remember me. He doesn't do anything to deserve. It has nothing to do with who he is. It has everything to do with who he talks to. everything to do with Jesus. And Jesus says, you and I, today, we're going to paradise. That's what's happening. All of these words that we have on the cross differ dramatically from Jesus' words on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. I mean, it's not that they don't know what they're doing. The soldiers are really good at what they're doing. The Jewish leaders are making a political statement by negotiating to get Jesus not just killed, but crucified because they're going to show he's under God's curse. He, they're going to put, put an end, they believe, to the whole idea that Jesus could possibly be the Messiah. They know what they're doing, and Jesus says, no, nah, they don't really know. They don't really know. What does he mean by that? He means that they are so captivated by the layers and layers and layers of sin, of failure, of death, that they are not thinking straight. And the fundamental problem is they don't trust God. They don't. His last words are the best. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The King James says I commend my spirit, but that's what it means. What's he saying? He's saying I trust you 
even to death. Father, I trust you even to death. Sin, church, is incredibly complex in its outworking. It's incredibly intricate in the effect that it has on you and me. The way we think, the way we interact, the way we evaluate what's going on around us. Sin gets its hooks into us in all kinds of ways. But at root, at bottom... Sin is real, real simple. It's saying to God, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. Faith is saying to God, I do trust you. God made the world, this world that we're in, and he made you to work right if you do God's will. He actually made you to be happy and you to make yourself and the people around you happy if you do God's will. Your kids will be happy. The people you work with will be happy. He made you to be happy if God's will is done. Why aren't we happy? Because God's will is not done. And do you know why God's will is not done? Because we don't trust God. We say again and again in a million, billion different ways, Day in and day out in our lives. I don't really think God wants me to be happy. I think I know better than God. How to make myself happy. How to make my kids happy. How to make the people around me happy. I don't trust him. That's what Eve said. In the garden. God says, you're going to be miserable if you eat this fruit. And Eve says... No, I'm not. I know better than God. God said to David, you're going to be miserable if you sleep with Bathsheba. She's not your wife. And David said, no, I'm not. She's awesome. I'm going to take her. You know, again and again and again, the world gets worse and worse and worse. The, the necrosis of sin, the death involvement of sin keeps making us more and more rotten and every one of us gets the infection because we don't trust God. And here, the climax, the horrible climax of the story involves the God-man. Jesus Christ. Luke's been telling you all along. He's been telling you all through this chapter and the last chapter. 
Jesus is innocent. Jesus is innocent. Jesus is innocent. Jesus is innocent. They can't come up with any decent charge at the trial. Pilate can't think of anything to accuse him of. Herod can't think of anything he's done wrong. The Jewish leaders are, are at a loss, so all they can do is whip the crowd up into a frenzy. The, the, the soldiers, even at the foot of the cross, can't figure out anything that he's done wrong. He is innocent. He is innocent. Even the heavens darken when he dies. The earth shakes when he dies. He is innocent. He is innocent. He is innocent. And yet he dies. Because we are not innocent. Because we don't trust God. But he does even to death. Jeremy was right. In the communion talk, Jesus could have come down from the cross any second he wanted. Good grief. Jesus could have just blinked his eyes and made the whole world go away. I mean, it wasn't even, he didn't have to come down from the cross. He could just make the cross and everything else go away. But he didn't. And he went through this because he said, I trust God the Father. As a human, I will do what humans were meant to do. One time in the history of the world, a human being will offer to the Father what humans are meant to offer, trust. All the way to death. This week, this month, this year, whatever sins are involving you in the necrosis of death, get at the root of them, which is that lack of trust in God. He can be trusted. He has shown you how much he loves you, how much he wants you to be happy by giving you this sign of Jesus Christ on the cross. He will stop at nothing to make you happy. You trust him. When the itch of lust is setting your brain on fire and you know God says this won't make you happy. Trust Him. When the craving of covetousness and the feeling that, oh, if I could just have this little thing and this little thing and this little that will make me rise and everyone will look at me. And God says that won't make you happy. Trust Him. When the rage and craving for revenge comes upon you and you just know if I could just strike them down the way they struck me down, I would be, and God says, no, you won't be happy. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Church, trust the Father. If you need to respond to the invitation of Jesus Christ, if you need prayers, if you need help, if you need today to put on Jesus Christ in baptism, why don't you come as we stand and as we sing?